Welcome to Howden's podcast, Fortune Favors the Brave. We all take risks in our everyday life and business is no different. In this podcast, we're speaking to the experts about a topical challenge or issue and what business leaders can do to overcome it. Hello and welcome to the second episode of our litigation mini-series that follows on from my colleague Katie Armstrong's session with Insurer Litica. They discuss the available insurance solutions when faced with a legal dispute pre and post judgment. Today, we will be focused on the same topic, but instead explore the financial solutions available to assist parties who find themselves either considering or being involved with a legal dispute. I'm Rhys Williams, a member of the restructuring and resolution team here at Howden, specialising in litigation and risk management. I help clients with the costs and risks associated in the pursuit of credible pieces of litigation and arbitration, utilising both insurance and funding solutions. I'm joined today by Sean McGuinness. Over to you, Sean, to introduce yourself. Thanks very much for having me, Rhys. Looking forward to this. As you said, I'm Sean McGuinness. I'm an investment manager at Omni Bridgeway here in London. By way of background, before that, I spent 10 years at the International Disputes Group with DLA Piper, also in London, and then the two years after that, I was with another funder. So yeah, that's my background. So thanks for that, Sean. In time on a tradition, we begin the podcast with a bit of an icebreaker. Can you tell us about a time you've taken a risk and did it pay off? So I've thought about this and as a litigator and investment manager, I've decided to go personal rather than professional and talk about an unknown risk that I took. So uh, quite some years ago, a friend and I, one evening, agreed that we would cycle. It'd be a good idea to cycle from John O'Groats to Land's End to raise some money for charity. Neither of us had cycled any real distance. Neither of us had road bikes. And whilst this dates it somewhat, neither of us had mobile phones. So we did a weekend training on bikes borrowed from family where we grew up, which turned out to be one of the flattest parts of the country, and then set off on the train up to Wick. In the end, the risk did pay off. Uh, We didn't realize how much of a challenge it would be or how unprepared we were, but it was a really enjoyable experience, raised a lot of money for uh, charity, um, but to undertake that risk without the expertise, experience, or really the equipment was, was something of a risk. That does sound like one. So to dive into today's topic, so should a party find themselves considering or being involved in a legal dispute, it will come as no surprise that pursuing or continuing to pursue a matter to a conclusion is an expensive task. Solicitors and counsel need retaining, experts may need instructing, and depending on whether you're bringing or defending the claim, court fees may have to be met. One of the first considerations, therefore, for an interested party and their potential legal team is the issue of costs and how those costs will be met. Sean, and and for the purpose of those listeners who are not familiar with the concept, perhaps you can give us a whistle-stop tour of what litigation funding is, the profile of clients you see using it, and how it can assist pre- and post-judgment. So I suppose at its simplest, uh, litigation funding is is non-recourse funding provided to clients to help them bring and enforce their claims. So not non-recourse, meaning we provide funding, and if you're unsuccessful, the funding is not repayable. So there's no, there's no risk to the client in taking the funding. If the funding is successful, the funder will take uh, a success fee, so you, sh- so you share in that success. There's lots of different ways of structuring it, but I suppose at, at simplest, that's the easiest way to think about litigation funding. The profile of clients, I think, has probably changed quite significantly. I think maybe 10 to 15 years ago, it was primarily clients that could not pay or were unable to pay. I think now the market's developed and matured such that a lot of the clients we see are clients that can pay, but think the the value proposition of using third-party funding rather than balance sheet funds to to use in their in their legal disputes is a is a more sensible option. In terms of pre and post judgment, 
pre-judgment, so at any time from a claim crystallizing, so a, a loss be, being suffered, funding can be used to investigate the claim, to provide money for legal fees to bring the claim through uh, proceedings and up to a final judgment. That gets you to judgment. Obviously, judgment is, is a piece of paper. It's not actually capital or money. So post-judgment litigation funding can be used either as a continuation from a case that's been funded from the outset, or if you have a judgment, funding can be used to enforce that judgment where it's not being paid. So often a, a judgment is made and a defendant is is not paying, they're often in multiple jurisdictions. There can be a cost associated with enforcing the judgment and funding can be used for that in the same way, non-recourse and sharing in the success if it, if it, if it becomes successful. So you're embarking on a dispute or you have a judgment and costs are an issue or as you've said, you'd rather spend monies elsewhere in furthering interests, uh, taking things off the balance sheet and therefore find yourself needing or wanting some support from the funding market. With that being said, then, can you let us know what may be needed when applying for funding and how listeners can increase their own or their clients' chances of securing that funding? So I think the main piece of advice I would give is to be complete. So have a clear plan and a clear ask from the funder, as in what, what, what is it you're looking from the funder uh, in, in terms of capital and support. Litigation and arbitration can be incredibly complex, but they often boil down to a few key points. Ultimately, the primary function of our market is to provide capital to clients to recover funds from those who've wronged them. So explain to us how you fit that profile. Generally speaking, funders will want to see an analysis of the legal merits, some work on the quantum of the claim, so what's being claimed and how that figure is supported, and then crucially, a plan to recover those damages, which can often be international. So we need to see that clients are thinking you know, beyond obtaining a judgment to actually receiving funds. And I think it would probably, of course, be remiss of me uh, not to say perhaps speak to a specialist um, funding introducer or, or broker, as it were. Thanks, Sean. So, so we have heard now how, how funders can assist and obviously with the right application that they are ready to invest in, in cases. So again, Sean, what does this all cost and how are these investments priced? So I think like any, any financial product, the, the cost reflects the risk. So... I'm not going to give away the, the the crown jewels and commit to some pricing on a on a public podcast, as, as you won't be surprised to to learn. But generally speaking, funding is priced as a multiple of deployed capital, which increases over time. So generally, you have a six or twelve month windows above which, if the if the case or claims are still ongoing, that multiple of deployed capital will will rise. That multiple that's charged obviously varies depending on the risk profile of the investment and therefore can be reduced by reducing that risk. One obvious way to reduce the pricing is to reduce the risk by, for example, diversification. So, for example, if you have a number of claims, you can form a portfolio. And therefore, if you have a portfolio and you have diversification, the risk is lower and funders can offer lower pricing on that multiple. So we move on to a price is agreed um, in principle, whether that be on a portfolio or, or one-off cases you discussed. And um, like any other commercial arrangement, we, we obviously then move to, to contracts. So by and large, these investments are governed by litigation funding agreements or LFAs that confirm obviously both parties' rights, duties and obligations. Sean, one of the concerns we have heard from perhaps the naysayers of the industry um, is the control that funders may have over the dispute itself as they choose to invest. In order to perhaps dispel any of these concerns, and perhaps looking at the LFA, what sort of control do funders have over the dispute itself 
through the investment? It's a relatively unusual investment class in that once the investment has been made, the funder has no control at all, really, legally or, or contractually over the, the running of the dispute and the settlement of the dispute. So that's really, and, and, and just taking that on its own, that's really why so much diligence is done at the outset, because once, once a funding decision is made, the commitment is there and the control rests with the client. So that's why we have to understand that the client's commercially motivated, sensible, and has a, has a real plan. So this is, this is a question that often comes up, but it's very important to stress that the clients, clients really do main control of the process. The lawyers have a client obligation to their client. We like to think of ourselves anyway as a partner, partner in the, in the relationship. So we often have, we think, good ideas about how to motivate settlement or how to direct the case. And we're often uh, involved, but control always, always rests with the client. So as it should be, obviously, clients that are involved with a, with a piece of litigation obviously have the control and decision-making powers over how the outcome uh, is, to, is to be met. So I think it's fair to say the funding market is still very much in its infancy, but has already developed a, a long way since its genesis. However, and a bit more of a general question for you, uh, how are you currently seeing the market develop and what sort of new innovation are you seeing or feel you should be seeing? So I think that there's two... I'll talk about the funding side and then obviously as I'm with Howden, I'll talk a little bit about my view on the insurance side. So on, on the funding side, as you say, it's still a nascent market. I think the market is is maturing at pace. I think the, the level of expertise in the market is broadening and becoming more varied. And I think the, the innovations that I'm seeing uh, relates to the development of the funding market. So firstly, in in secondaries. So that's where if you if a funder has invested in a case and wants to de-risk that investment, they can effectively sell their position that they have in a, in a case to another funder. And that can assist clients in obtaining funding because it can increase the length of time that a case can take to come to enforcement. So if a case is going to take eight years, it's very difficult for one funder often to be in for that long. If there's a market in secondaries which is developing, one funder might be able to take the first four years and then recover their investment by selling their position to another funder, which then can take the, the second part of the part of the litigation. The client is not impacted by that, but the availability of funding to clients is improved by that innovation. That's that's developing in global funding, I would say. We're certainly seeing it in London and the US, but I think that's a, a trend that will continue. So that's secondaries. I think also syndication. We're seeing a lot more co-investment in litigation funding, whereas I think Three or four years ago, most claims would have been supported just by one funder. We're now seeing even relatively small investments of four and five million pounds where there might be two or three funders collaborating, working together, putting in investments each that are smaller. So the funder gets the benefit of diversification and the uh, client can still, can still obtain capital. So the secondaries and syndication, I think on the funding side, are innovations that, that I've been seeing recently. And then on the insurance side, we're seeing innovation from the insurance market, which allows us to provide new funding solutions to clients and then broadens that availability of funding, which is obviously positive. And just on that insurance point that, that Sean raises, it's probably worth me saying to um, listen out again for Katie Armstrong's episode of Litica, where I think those were explored in a bit more detail. So finally, and to wrap things up, should any of our listeners find themselves in a position of being involved with, considering or advising a client about a dispute, either pre or post judgment, what should be the key takeaway from today's conversation? I would say the key takeaway is 
get the funder involved as early as possible. As soon as you're thinking about embarking on a journey to bring a legal claim, it's a multi-year process, it can be a very expensive process. Think about having a third-party funder come and assist you with that. And the earlier you have them on board, the more focused your process will be and the easier it will be to obtain capital. I would just, just add as, the, as my final post, postscript key takeaway that of pretty much all the surveys that are conducted amongst the users of litigation finance, over 90% of those who have used it would use it again. So I would invite any listeners with a legal claim to, to become part of that club. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Sean. That's about all the time we have for this episode. Make sure you look out for part three in the mini-series where my colleague Katie Armstrong will be joined by Sarah Vasani, a partner at CMS, to explore a law firm's perspective of the insurance and funding solutions and how they have been used in practice to help clients unlock their cases. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fortune Favours the Brave from Howden. To hear more episodes and subscribe to our channel, search Fortune Favours the Brave on your favourite podcast app.